Before my friend, but I don't know if you know who I am. But I was there and I saw what you did. I saw you with my own two eyes, so you can wipe up the grin. I know where you've been. It's all been a pack of lies. I remember, don't worry. Could I ever forget the first time, the last time we haven't met? But I know the reasons why you keep your silence so for me. It's hurt out of soul, but the pain still grows. So stranger to you and me. But I said. Can you feel it? It is the 28th of January, 2020, and boy, are these fat cats, these politicians, feeling the heat. Can't make them see the light. Make them feel the heat. That's what Reagan said, you know, because he was controlled by Bush, four to one. But hey, can you see it now? See, first of all, happy birthday where we go on, we go all. And mind you, there are so many people that have had their birthday. There was someone in December, obviously, <laughs> Twitter always messed with my DMs and I never saw it. I love all of you. You guys are considered my family, not my fans, my family, my friends, because we're all 
working together to do what? Show them the power we have. Now, I stayed away from talking about uh, the markets. Now, um, it's not because I don't understand the markets. I, I think I've, I've mentioned this to you guys before. You know, I did get my Series 7, 63, 24, 6, and 3 part of training. Never, ever worked as a stockbroker, but I got all my lenses, um, took the tests. <laughs> so I know the financial markets very, very well. So I stood back to watch because I wanted to see how the media was going to spin this. I wanted to see how they would respond to this. And I also wanted to see the politicians with big fat portfolios, what they would do. Now, we supposedly live in a free nation where we have free speech. Mm, that, how's that working out for us? Not so good lately. But we also are in a nation that believes in the free market. How's that working out for us? Well, apparently you're not allowed to buy stocks anymore, specific stocks. Stocks, stocks that are making very rich people very poor right now. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And you're not going to like it. You know, yesterday, before I had a conversation, it's very important that's going to be coming into focus and I can't talk about, uh, you know, next month. Uh, I had a conversation with someone. Um, someone important who said, damn, Tori, they're labeling you as one of the most dangerous voices online. What? Why? I'm providing education. I'm not inciting anything or suggesting any dogpiling. Like, if I was the one to say, hey, let's collude and buy stock, I'd be like, yo, let's buy some Trump stock and make that go skyrocket to show them where it is. But obviously, that's not going to hurt them. But if we bought some other stock that are big, fat portfolios, that would make people very poor you know, or a company that you know is not doing well, and then you bought a lot of it, you'd make a lot of rich people poor, I'd say, okay. Apparently, once you realize your power as an individual, you're dangerous to them. You're dangerous to be providing information and education and opening the eyes of many. Now, this was said kind of in passing because you know, the strategy is, as long as we ignore Tory, and this is coming from right-leaning peeps, you know, maybe she'll go away. <laughs> but my day will come where they will come real hard for me. But I've been around that block before. I danced with all you clowns. So bring it. Why? Well, here's what you're going to see. So yesterday, we talked about all these people being rolled up, right? Enrique Tario supposedly burned a flag. He knows he didn't burn a flag. So he was rolled up to get kept out of the situation. We have Brandon Straka in a box. They just want to find out money, money. There's a ton of people, good people too, that were just cutting paychecks and they didn't know where the money was coming from. <laughs> and, you know, then we have the other guy that was rolled up because on social media, he was swaying idiots to text their vote because if you're stupid enough to believe it, it's his fault because he had a social media influence. Therefore, he meddled with elections. But what Facebook, Twitter, Google, the mainstream media are doing were not meddling. The fake polls weren't meddling. Some super troll, right, was meddling because he had a big influence. <laughs> 
Turns out on Reddit, there was a big influence too. And it has made a lot of rich people very, very, very poor. And they are very, very unhappy. <laughs> it's like, damn. Look, as a people, concerns we have, right, grievances we may have should drive us into action, not into depression where we just throw up in arms. A man or a woman who is free, who is considered free, who is considered free can control themselves, but they respond with action always, always, like super always. That's what strong minds do. Something that concerns you makes you do something. Now, many might say, well, well, I'm concerned about the way things are going on here. And um, I'm concerned about the people that are in office. And I'm concerned about all um, these things going around. But you have to ask yourself, mm-hmm. do you know that the most worthless people live only to eat and drink? But people of worth eat and drink. Wait, wait. Worthless people live to only eat and drink. And people that have worth eat and drink only to live. Perspective, right? Perspective. So what are you? What are you? Do you live to eat and drink? Or do you eat and drink? to live. You know, we all like nice things, pretty things, right? Pretty, pretty, pretty things. I do. I mean, I love pretty things. You know, I actually got one Christmas gift that was the first pretty thing that I, that I got in a long time. It was um, a black pearl. So love that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not super dainty, but it is one of the most prize things that I got in 2020. Um, to say like, you know, dainty, pretty. And I look at it every day. I can't wear it because I'm like, oh, I'm such a klutz. You know, like my dad, before he passed away, he left me his baptismal cross and I wear it. And I'm such a, I never take it off. Like even when I go and get my, you know, every six months that I get my MRI and stuff um, and I'm supposed to take off everything like that's like clutched in my hand or clutched by my foot, right? I never leave it out of my sight. But I've had to change the chain a couple times and I stand on top of the jeweler <laughs> when he's doing it. Um, so I don't have a lot of pretty things that I look at um, because I know that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have time sometimes to smell the flowers. Does that make sense? Um And that's because I'm too busy doing things, just like all of you. Life, kids, my country. And that's only because I realized, you know, today I realized that, you know, when I was just staring at it at some point, I I was on a marathon call with Patrick Berge arguing again. Um, (laughs) But I was looking at the, the, the pearl. I just like opened the box and I looked at it and I was just like, you know, that's so pretty, so delicate. And I, I thought to myself, that's exactly how our society is right now, uh, only because of fear. And um, 
this fear that people have. It's, it's, it's insane. Fear that they're going to die if they step outside. But right, well, actually, now we're opening up all the stores, right, in these states where they killed all the elderly. They're opening up all the stores, but there's still social distancing, and you still have to get your vaccine. I, I, I don't have words to tell you how I feel about the conformity. Um, in our nation right now, it upsets me beyond belief. My daughter keeps getting upset with me because wherever I'm at, you know, I'll mumble loud, loud. Oh, are you scared you're going to die? Does your mask not work? You know, super bad. My daughter hates that. And I'm like, I don't care. Someone's got to tell them something because at some point they're going to hear it enough to say you're a loser you're wearing a muzzle, you're wearing your slave chains in the form of a mask, and maybe it'll be that cherry on top to kind of, you know, stop them from doing that anymore. She gets so upset when she's like, stop mumbling. You know, she's like, you're mumbling loud. She knows what I'm doing. Fear is manipulated by many people who profit off of eating fear and keeping you in your place. So they create the fear and then they promise you that they're going to fix the problem. And, you know, this fear always appears in nations and civilizations uh, that have a good economy and very big interest groups like hedge fund managers and stuff, right? Um, and they are dependent on us being obedient in that cir circle of, of, of fear Fear that, you know, a plane's going to fly through your house. Fear that you're going to die. Fear that you're going to go into debt. Fear that they're going to take away your house. Fear that you're going to get sick. Fear that you're going to fall down and scrape your knee. Fear, fear, fear. Politicians, the mainstream media, doctors, you know, shrinks, consumer industries, right? Like Walmart, Target, all of them. They all depend on us being scared. They always keep us in fear about something about something. And they always tell us they're going to fix it, but they never do. Fear is what keeps people in check. And the thing is, is that as an individual yourself in your society, the one struggle that you always have is to stop being overwhelmed by the other people around you, right? Because if you try to break free and step out of that box, you're going to be really lonely. And because you're lonely, you're going to be frightened. But Let's be honest, that's a really small price to pay for the privilege to know that you own yourself and that those around you don't. And that is key. You know, to be an autonomous person is an incredible feat. It's self-rule. It's, uh, you know, something that a person has and engages with other members of society and it emboldens your reasoning your your consciousness as, as 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 a being within that sphere of society and other people you understand how to self-rule yourself you don't subscribe to groupthink but as we can as we have seen over decades 
There are so many people dependent on the state. And the state is not just those idiots that have been elected in office and forgot that they must serve us. But it's not healthy. It's, it's as if, you know, we're just a herd of animals constantly relying on these idiots that are making billions off our back, keeping us in fear, shorting stocks, right? Driving us to suppose better, you know, tomorrows. And then when, you know, as we rely on them to guide us into the better tomorrow, and then they turn on you as you have seen they have, Unfortunately, self-preservation kicks in. And all they do, people do, is look for someone else that will give them comfort and take away the responsibility of being in that predicament in the first place, right? Because think about it. You've been led by, this is why you fall into pockets, and I say be careful who you follow, right? You, you've relied on the state, and that's the mainstream media, your advertising industry, your, uh, you know, influencers, if you want to call them that. They're just losers with check marks. You know, and I call them losers to their face, too, by the way, all right? I don't say stuff behind anyone's back that I won't say in the front, okay? Not all of them. I like some of them. But you've relied on them. And they've been supposedly ushering you into, here's what it is. Here are the news. Here's how you're going to make money. Here's how you're going to look better. Here's how you're going to get healthier. You've followed them. And now they've all turned on you. Like wolves on, you know, like the shepherd was really a wolf. And it flipped on you. And it's like, now nah, I'm going to eat you. And you're just like, um, this is awkward because I was following you all this time. And now you take off your cloak and your staff is now a damn tire iron and you're a wolf. You're not my shepherd. So what do people do? They want to preserve self-preservation kicks in. Well, maybe if I, you know, be nice, I'll be eaten last. Or what they do is they find someone else with a big voice or someone that gives them hope. And then they feel like, oh, okay, I don't have responsibility. I'm going to follow this person because they're going to make it better for me. This is how, you know, humans think because they forget that they can be autonomous. They can self-rule. Self-rule. Every single person in their life sees growth, right, as a person from child to your old but your actual inner growth comes with experience on the things that you tackle. So if I was running 100-meter hurdles and only an inch high, damn, I'd be super fast. But I'm not really growing as a hurdler. Whereas if you were running parallel to me and yours was a meter high, damn, your growth is a lot bigger in the hurdling race than mine because mine was only an inch yours was a meter so the bigger the tasks you take on the bigger your growth as a person and understanding your self-worth and your autonomy so you know another thing that people need to understand is is that uh, you know inside of us uh, the turmoil we feel um 
because we're living in a period of time that's so turbulent, right? It, it's, 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 it's insane. There's violence. There's ideological tyrannies, right? There's the silencing of speech. Every facet of your life, everything that you consider precious in your life, that freedom that you so much adore and possess is at risk. And that makes you panic. You have doubt, you have despair, right? But what makes you stand out is by standing firm and finding your still while pandemonium is happening. And that only comes from you. You can't find that from anyone else but from you to be able to put that armor, stand strong and still, and boom. Suddenly there's peace and you can see things with better clarity, a lot more clarity, because then your mind is strengthened, your ego is strengthened, and you understand your self-worth. And as history evolves, and I say history because a second ago just made history, and now another second in history, right? But big events that happen, big shifts in what is to come and what is to be are actually really unimportant if you think about it on an individual level. What makes history or what leaves an imprint in time is not the big monument, not the big war, right? It's the individual changes that you perpetuate. You make your own time. You make your own history. And rather than be a subjective, like living a subjective life or a passive witness to our period of time right now and who suffers, like you're watching them, you're seeing it, but you can actually be a maker. You could do things. And just being here listening right now is because you want to be a maker. You are a maker and you're understanding your self-worth and how important you are and how you are not the underdog. For some reason, they have convinced you that you have no voice. For some reason, they have convinced you that you are unimportant. For some reason, you believe that all of you are worthless because they said so. And then if you actually step back, you'll see that it's only a few people on higher pedestals that are doing that. They're thumping their own voice. They're blowing their own horn. There's no one there blowing it for them. Yet we're the ones making noise together. They're standing alone maybe whipping someone or in case of having others do their dirty work, they're paying someone to blow bullhorns and move forward. You're doing it because you want to. There's a big difference. It's kind of like when I was um, pole watching. I was pole watching and the pole watchers there were called up in the morning. They were like 600 bucks cash. You go and pole watch. I went there because I wanted to. So tell me, who is going to be the one that's going to be pole watching better? The person that was woken up and got paid 600 bucks to just be there? Or the person that went there because they wanted to? Think. Mm, it's because they wanted to. Now, there are a few people that actually believe in communism and, and uh, you know, socialism. And I think um, I found this really great um, clip talking about fear and social control. I, I'm, I'm reiterating this to you. I'll tell you why. Because what we're going to be discussing about the financial, so I can explain to you what happened at Wall Street. You need to understand what's to come from this. Because while everyone's holding the line and standing there, big banks are now telling you, well, you're not allowed to buy it. Uh, excuse me? 
What do you mean I'm not allowed to buy it? Are you discriminating against me? Is it because I'm not an institutional investor? Am I not rich enough for you? No, we're just not letting anybody buy it anymore. Why not? Because we said so. Why not? Because our big fat clients lost a lot of money. Um, so you're saying you're limiting my ability to free trade because your fat cats, like Pelosi, because they all have portfolios, remember that, um, are losing money. Yes. Now I'm going to tell you what Biden's Department of Justice is going to be doing soon. In the meantime, first, I want you to really understand fear and social control. Fear and social control. Because all of you that are paying, tell me that it's going to be okay. Tell me that this is true. Tell me that this is happening. It's all because you're fear conditioned. Because you already know the answers to that. In situations where threat of immediate harm exists, it is the most debilitating and dangerous of emotions when present unnecessarily. In this video, we will examine how fear can be used as a tool to manipulate others, and how those positions of power, past and present, have effectively used fear to control certain aspects of society. Humans, especially since the Industrial Revolution, have become increasingly protected from the dangers that our ancestors faced in relation to the natural world. But as mankind's fear of nature and the elements has fallen, in its place many other fears have come to fill the void. Some of these fears have arisen in response to real threats, but many have been in response to things imagined. As the Stoic philosopher Seneca pointed out, there are more things likely to frighten us than there are to crush us. We suffer more often in imagination than in reality. While some of these imagined fears are of one's own making, Many are the consequence of narratives created by those in positions of power. Individuals looking to take advantage of and manipulate others have long realized the power of fear. When one is gripped by fear of a threat, real or imagined, the rational and higher cognitive capacities shut down, making them easily manipulated by anyone that promises safety from the threat. No passion so effectually robs the mind of all its powers of acting and reasoning as fear wrote the 18th century philosopher Edmund Burke. Ruling classes for thousands of years have understood the power of intentionally invoking fear in their subjects as a means of social control. Henry Frankfort, in his book The Intellectual Adventures of Ancient Man, noted that between 1800 and 1600 BC, a fear psychosis spread through ancient Egypt, precipitated by the invasion of foreign rebels hungry for power and conquest. Initially, this fear psychosis was justified by a real threat. Yet even when these foreigners were successfully driven far away from Egypt, the ruling powers sought to artificially maintain fear among the population, realizing that a fearful population is easier to control than a fearless one. As Frankfurt explained, the common desire for security need not have survived after the Egyptian empire extended the military frontier of Egypt well into Asia and thus removed the peril from the immediate frontier. However, it was a restless age, and there were perils on the distant horizon which could be invoked to hold the community together, since unity was to the advantage of certain central powers. A fierce psychosis once engendered remained present, and there were forces in Egypt which kept alive this fierce psychosis in order to maintain the unified purpose of Egypt. The artificial construction and maintenance of fear in a population by a ruling class has remained pervasive from the time of ancient Egypt up until the modern day. Oppressive governments often maintain their grip on a nation by continually invoking fear and then proceeding to claim that only they, the ruling powers, have the means and ability to protect the population from such a threat. The whole aim of practical politics, wrote H.L. Mencken, is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, most of them imaginary. John Adams, one of the founding fathers of America, 
echoed this sentiment, writing, fear is the foundation of most governments. While there are numerous tactics and strategies that have developed over the centuries to effectively exploit the public through fear, two of the more powerful and efficient are the use of false flags and the implementation of propaganda via repetition. A false flag can be defined as a covert operation, designed to deceive in such a way that the operations appear as though they are being carried out by entities, groups, or nations other than those who actually planned and executed them. In his book, Feardom, Connor Boyack provides a nice explanation on the effectiveness of false flag attacks for those looking to institute social control. Physical attacks lead to a corresponding increase of trust in political leaders and submission to them. This effect is likely the same whether the attack be a surprise, known to political leaders yet allowed to happen, or directly orchestrated by these same leaders who stand to benefit from the increased trust and submission. False flag operations are used because people generally do not have access to the details, so they are prone to rely upon what they're told and thus are easily deceived. People will, for the most part, believe what they are told in times of crisis, and so government officials, whether their motives are good or evil, capitalize on or completely fabricate crises. Repetition is also a well-known and prevalent propaganda technique used to solidify falsehoods and perpetuate fear in the public consciousness. By repeating specific phrases and warnings, and displaying particular symbols and images over and over through various mediums, those in power are able to paralyze entire populations with a fear psychosis. The Nazi propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, was well aware of the power of repetition and cloaking falsehoods in a garb of truth, stating, it would not be impossible to prove with sufficient repetition and a psychological understanding of the people concerned that a square is in fact a circle. They are mere words, and words can be molded until they clothe ideas in disguise. George Orwell, in a related manner, viewed political language as largely a form of propaganda designed to deceive people, as he wrote, Political language is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable, and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind. The technological advances of the last century have given those in power the ability to propagate their narratives and engage in fear-mongering to an extent never before seen in history. However, despite the unnerving situation we find ourselves in, there is an antidote to the power of propaganda and fear-mongering, that being knowledge. Plato rightly stated that ignorance is the root of misfortune. And as long as we remain ignorant of the fact that all too often, those who claim to protect us from fear are actually manipulating our fears for their own benefit, then we will be contributing to the misfortune of the world through our ignorant compliance. The philosopher Voltaire stated that those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. To avoid being an individual who can be convinced of absurdities, one must become an active truth seeker instead of the all too common passive propaganda receiver. An important step in becoming an active truth seeker is the realization that when evaluating the claims of those in power, Skepticism is warranted and even necessary. Very often those who rule do not have the best interests of the public at heart. For as Alexander Solzhenitsyn put it, political genius lies in extracting success even from the people's room. The reality is that most of us are not in a position to single-handedly change the world. But we can at least try to rid ourselves of the unnecessary fears which are the fuel for so much hate and destruction in the world. In fact, taking responsibility for one's actions and the beliefs that motivate such actions 
may be the most important thing one can do when faced with the prospect of an oppressive government. For as Stanley Milgram noted, the disappearance of a sense of responsibility is the most far-reaching consequence of submission to authority. And furthermore, might there be truth to the comment by F.A. Harper that the man who knows what freedom means will find a way to be free? At this point, some may be thinking that while the use of fear by those in power certainly contributed to horrible situations in the past, most notably in the totalitarian states of Russia, Germany, and China in the 20th century, Western nations of the present are far from approaching a situation so dire. Hopefully this is true, but it is important to realize that those who have lived through the rise of oppressive governments have seldom realized the perilous situation they were in until it was too late. We will conclude this lecture with a fascinating but ominous passage from the book They Thought They Were Free, which is based on interviews with normal Germans who lived during the Nazi regime. The following quote comes from one of the Germans interviewed, where he discusses why he thought that more ordinary Germans didn't take a stand against the rise of the Nazi government. One doesn't see exactly where or how to move. Believe me, this is true. Each act, each occasion is worse than the last, but only a little worse. You wait for one great shocking occasion, thinking that others, when such a shock comes, will join with you in resisting somehow. But the one great shocking occasion when tens or hundreds or thousands will join with you never comes. That's the difficulty. If the last and worst act of the whole regime had come immediately after the first and smallest, thousands, yes millions, would have been sufficiently shocked. But of course this isn't the way it happens. In between comes all the hundreds of little steps, some of them imperceptible, each of them preparing you not to be shocked by the next. And one day too late your principles, if you were ever sensible of them, all rush in upon you. The burden of self-deception has grown too heavy, and some minor incident, collapses it all at once, and you see that everything, everything has changed. Now you live in a world of hate and fear, and the people who hate and fear do not even know it themselves. When everyone is transformed, no one is transformed. How incredible was that? That, in a nutshell, tells you exactly the state of our union. We actually have people within our union that unfortunately believe that they are free, and that includes you. You are under the perception that we live in a free nation. And we are not. We are not. On paper, we are. And we still have rights on paper. They have not revoked that yet. False flags. What do you know? It's what they tell you. I remember people were talking about the Capitol. Oh, they're burning this. Nobody said anything when St. John's Church and people were trying to storm the White House. Nobody uttered a word. But because they staged a raid into the Capitol, the world came up in uproar and people came out. Everything is an illusion, everything, and you have the right to make it reality. And uh, some people, I don't know who started it, but somebody on Reddit had people buying stock that uh, they knew the Biden administration peeps had tons of in it, like Ameritrade. Have you ever seen their mutual fund stock portfolios? They got a lot of AMC shorts, they've got a lot of GameStop shorts. So that's how the people exercise their power. They exercise their power by saying, wait a minute, I'm going to raise the stock. I'm going to spend my money to make you go broke. See, it's not insider trading, is it? No, it's not. Insider trading is, you know, the company's going bust without everybody else knowing, and then you buy short. So I'll explain to a lot of you because there's a lot going on and people are like, I don't know 
what that is and I'm not getting it. You're going to see how the people use their wallet and really screwed up a lot of people. Specifically, did you know that Biden's U.S. Treasury Secretary actually um, was paid by a certain company that has a huge position in companies that have now been blown up? Yeah. Stock was six bucks. Now it's trading close to $200. The people did this. The people did this. They used their wallet. And now everybody that betted against the company so it can go down and die like Blockbuster. I like GameStop. I like going there. I like going there. I like buying used games and having their insurance and being, I like video games. I'm game. TD Ameritrade, uh, Robin Hood was the first one that did it. And that's because the majority of these people use Robin Hood. And actually, <laughs> when I tried to alter my um, information when I was separated, um, you know, financially with my ex, they were like, oh, you're going to have to close the account. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to close it anyway because you guys are going to be in deep trouble soon. So um, I'm not going to open up another one. So I'm going to walk you through how the people show that they're really good masters. See, to be a good leader, right, you have to seek knowledge every day, but you also have to know how to be a servant too. You can't be a good master if you're not a good servant first. And you know, whenever I remember that, that's like Plato, right? When I re remember that phrase, you know what I think about? President Trump cleaning toilets in his hotel, right? Or when he was younger, actually be being on the site with the builders, right? Uh, you have to understand uh, how things work. So I am going to walk you through this, guys. Um, and how we're going to walk it through is we're going to listen first to what CNN and um, other people had to say uh, because they seem to be very upset. Um, very upset. Investors on Reddit send GameStop stock soaring. I'm going to tell you right now what's going to happen. The DOJ is going to come down and consider that kind of a dogpiling situation. Those people on Reddit that posted it, Reddit's already given their details. They're trying to find the laws to arrest them for manipulating the markets. You watch. They're going to say that when you have ideas online and you are influential and people get together, you go to jail. Kind of like that, you know, that dude that was rolled up for telling Democrats, hey, why don't you just text your vote? You'll be fine. You don't have to go in person. Watch. They're going to do this. Because it's hurting their pockets, all of their pockets. Every single one of them are suffering right now because they don't know what to do. And now the banks are limiting what you are allowed to trade. So they're limiting. You're not allowed to buy this stock anymore because we said so. No, you're not allowed. I'm sorry. We're not letting you buy it anymore. Why not? Because I said so. Uh, are you out? Is there no stock? What's the issue? So this is not free. You are. Because you're a peasant. How dare you come here and buy that stock and make us broke? But you know better. Know your place. They love that phrase.
Video game retailer GameStop is set to continue their head-spinning ascent today. Shares are now up more than 60% pre-market. And an ongoing battle between bullish day traders and hedge fund short sellers that have bet against the stock. GameStop shares have now risen some 700% year-to-date. Christine Romans is here with us on this story. Christine, I look at this price action, it's absolutely eye-watering. The, the market analyst in me is cringing at the frothiness and all the analogies that, that we can make here. But it, there is a story here beneath the surface of hedge fund, the big guys shorting this and smaller yeah. players, retail investors buying it and making windfall profits, at least on paper. At the expense of those short sellers. I mean, right. it's like a David versus Goliath story, or it's a storyline in the TV show Billions, or it's a Michael Lewis story uh, <laughs> novel. You know, it's all, all of those things wrapped in one. It's so <laughs> interesting. And people keep talking about it and, and talking about GameStop. Look, the, the fundamentals of the company have been rough here. You know, they ha they're not making any money. They've been closing stores. Uh, you see these big short positions in the stock. And then you this Reddit board, this Wall Street Bets Reddit message board. It's almost like a populist trader uprising to support the stock. Um, with these buying of the out of the money uh, options and really hurting the big guys. Oh, look, look, look at how they're framing it. Look at how they're framing it. Did do the same thing with other populist boards that were talking about stupid ideas like, I don't know, holding politicians accountable or thinking that they're free or, uh, you know, President Trump is uh, the winner and Biden is not. He stole the elections. Populist uprising. Ah. Here's where they start to frame it up. You're going to see it come up. You're going to see it. You're going to see the tyranny because the only way, the only way you grow, the only way you learn is to walk right through that fire. And you're going right through that fire. They took everything away from you. They blatantly took your voice at the ballot box and then waved it at you. Then they called you terrorists. And now they're going to tell you, how dare you raise stocks? You're not allowed to manipulate markets. This is how you learn. So it's just been this interesting revolt that somebody's making a lot of money on. Someone is not and certainly is far out of line with the fundamentals of this company. You know, it's funny. In some cases, people think it's, it's sort of funny how regular day traders could distort a stock price uh, so much. But you, one wonders what they think about this at the Securities and Exchange Commission. You know, is it manipulation oh. or is it just fair and square talking up a talking up a stock? It's fascinating. Let me see if I start the video if it works. There's a lot of mom and pop investors here that could be cheering at this moment and could end up in tears. And your point yes. about the regulators here is is absolutely pivotal for me. I mean, step forward, Gary Gensler, the former Wall Street guy that's now going to head up the SEC. This is fresh meat, I think, for the regulators of those voices, particularly in the Democratic Party that will be like, we need to regulate hedge funds. Enough it's of what we've seen. Oh my gosh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? They're telling you what they're not gonna do. I want you to be paying attention to this. They're telling you what they're not going to do. Congress tell you when Google comes out and says, if you are in a political office and you claim that the elections were fraudulent, you're not getting Google money. What does that tell you? Right, right. So here is where it starts to get real fun. It's fun for those that know what's coming. 
it's not so fun when people are confused, but I'm hoping that for you guys, my audience, you're like rubbing your hands saying, I'm going to get through this. This is a rough patch. It's a little bit of turbulence, but that's what's up. We've got them right where we want them, right where we want them. Listen to them. Listen to this. Wait, wait, wait. Where is it? Um, here we go. Stock is currently a David versus Goliath story. Legions of individual investors on social platforms like Reddit are going up against fancy, well-funded professional Wall Street traders. The little guy is winning. For now, shares are trading north of $100. Four months ago, for now, this was a $6 stock, but experts can't find a fundamental reason for the stock's success. GameStop lost $795 million in 2019. And analysts expect the company lost hundreds of millions of dollars in 2020 as well. You know, look, the company's fundamentals are heading uh, in the opposite direction of the stock price. However, the company's rise can be attributed to something else. Short selling. Short sellers are a really important part of the market. So short sellers come in and they borrow the stock and then they sell it into the market, hoping that it's going to drop. Because then if it drops, they can buy it back lower price and pocket the difference. The single most shorted stock on Wall Street, GameStop. And over 130% of its available shares have been borrowed in so short. So they have more shortage shares than people betting on it to rise. Enter the David of the story, individual investors. Wall Street calls these guys the retail traders, and their ranks have grown significantly. An estimated 10 million new brokerage accounts have been opened in the past year alone. You see it on Reddit. There are threads with certain stocks, certain ticker symbols. Wall Street Bets is one forum that has become pretty popular with day traders. They pick a stock, they run with it, they tell each other, hold, don't buy, when to buy. So now GameStop, a brick and mortar video game retailer and streaming games, has a rising stock. And now we've got what the pros call a short squeeze. A short squeeze is when the opposite happens. Essentially, it goes against you. So you borrow that stock at 30, you sell it into the market, and you hope it goes to 25. Wait a minute, it doesn't. It goes to 35. Now you're sitting there trying to decide, oh my God, what am I going to do? Well, maybe it'll go back down to 25 and I'll make money. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll go to 40. You've already sold it into the market, and now you have to buy it back. Now you have a loss. Instead of having that stock where you borrowed it, and you sold it at 30, and you want to buy it back at 25? Well, now you're buying it back at 35. So what are you doing? You're losing money. Some of Wall Street said GameStop really speaks to this rampant speculative behaviors among retail investors. This phenomenon seems to extend beyond just GameStop shares. Other stocks appear to be Reddit favorites this week as well. What's going on is that the Wall Street bet people are looking at what the high short interest is, whether it be uh, the short interest in GameStop, whether it be the short interest in Bed Bath & Beyond, the short interest in AMC. And that bubble could burst at any time, making GameStop a potentially dangerous investment until the roller coaster ride comes to an end. GameStop reports its next round of earnings in March, and the stock typically plunges shortly after. Okay, let's get to our sound check. Here's a roundup of the day's biggest action and what the top newsmakers and business leaders had to say on scene. With the, the trial itself, right, we uh, plan to report out uh, by early next week in terms of our results. Uh, as you know, it's a, a very robust uh, 45,000. Yeah, I don't want to talk about vaccines right now. We're just going to leave that for a second. My gosh, my system is really freezing today, isn't it? It's, it's pretty bad. 
Now, <laughs> let's continue on this. So for those of you that don't seem to understand um, what uh, short selling is, I'm going to uh, play this audio clip that I found where this guy is explaining it. And I'll be looking at the chat if anybody has questions on it. Um, I want you guys to know that the way these people lose money is very similar to the way the IMF does. Remember, we had talked about the IMF and how I told you they trade in XDR currency. Their currency is reliant on nations being in debt. If a nation is not in debt, they lose money because they're betting against the nation, right? So if they're betting against the nation and the nation is suddenly making money, uh, this is a big problem for them uh, because then their currency goes down and they're not, um, they're not making money anymore. And so, uh, you know, they get upset. They're just like, uh, what's going on here? I'm, I'm confused. Um, this nation needs more debt. This is why they give out loans all the time and nations are being held in position with loans. So uh, that's pretty much how they make money. It's the same concept only with stocks, with companies. And what people need to realize is that people are in charge of everything. We are the wallets. We pay for these idiots to sit somewhere and tell us that they know best. We are the ones. We are the ones that are funding everything. We keep Walmart's lights on. We keep Target's lights on. We keep Nancy Pelosi in her seat. We fuel Biden's C-130s because apparently he's not using first one. We are, we are, we are, we are. And right now, the question is, how are they going to punish these people on Reddit for doing this? That's the question. And you know what it is? It's a freaking psyop. And I'll tell you, it's a it's freaking psyop because this is how the market crash will come. And, I, and I'm going to show you this. Probably one of the most popular films on the topic of investing. It's a star-studded movie that follows the real story of three groups of people who short, or bet against, the housing market for billions of dollars, right before the 2008 real estate crisis. As you might expect, our heroes end up making quite a bit of money. But how exactly does a short work? Well, in positions are taken through what are known as swaps, a derivative agreement that is taken with the banks. But for common investors, short positions typically involve individual mm -hmm. stocks, making them easy enough to take. But be warned, shorting comes with a lot of risks. On top of charging you expenses you don't normally see with standard investing, shorting also offers a skewed payoff, where you face a limited upside and an uncapped downside, meaning you could lose an infinite amount of money, theoretically anyway. So before you decide to short something, let's go over strategy and the risks involved on today's plain bagel. Shorting, also known as short selling, is a trading strategy where an investor sells a security today and buys it back in the future, hoping that the price of the security will go down. It's effectively the opposite approach to a traditional long position, where investors buy today and sell at some point in the future to cash in, hopefully after the price has gone up. It follows the same buy low, sell high mentality as long investing, but it just reverses the order of the motto. So investors sell high today and hope that the price will go down so they can buy low in the future. Okay, let me let me make this super simple because I had someone make it simple for me when I was taking my exams over 21 years ago. Um, 
buying it long means, um, Hey, you have a company. I buy your stock today at $10 and I hold on to it and I wait until it goes to a hundred and then sell it. And I make a $90 profit short is I buy your stock today at $10, but I don't really buy it. I kind of pretend to buy it. It's like a, a chit that says, Oh, I'm buying the stock at $10, but I'm really just giving you five. Uh, but you know, half the money you put it up front, right? So if you're buying stock at $10, you put $5, pretend if you're shorting, you pretend to buy your, it's like an IOU of $10, but you're really giving half of it as collateral. And then you're just like, I'm going to pretend to buy it now because I'm going to sell it later. How? So, well, I sell it now at 10, but I'm not really selling it. I'm going to buy it when it goes down to five. So then I make money. So it's like, um, I'm selling it now because I foresee that it's going to get lower and you lend me the money, the $10. Well, actually you're just lending me five, but just picture in your mind, you come to me and you're like, Hey, I, I think Joe's company is going to go bust. So lend me the stock. And I'm like, all right, it's 10 bucks. I'll, I'll buy it off of you. Okay. And then you pretend to sell it to me for $10, but you're not really selling it to me. I ask you for it when you actually buy it. So you buy it when it's five bucks and you're like, here's that $10 stock. And then you pocket money. So you make a crap ton of money when the stock falls. But here's the downside. If I sell it to you at 10 and I haven't given you the stock certificate yet, right? And then suddenly the stock goes to a hundred, you're going to be like, yo, I need that stock certificate. And you're like, damn, now I have to buy it at a hundred to give it to you. I just lost 90 bucks. You see what I'm saying? I hope that clarifies it. Hopefully he clarifies it too. But I just wanted to give you that example so you see how it works. So you can lose an insane amount of money as long as the stock goes up. Now, shortening a stock is a bit more complicated than going long on a position. So let's go through a running example to explain how the strategy works and the risks it poses. Imagine you have two investors who decide to take opposite positions in Plain Bagel Co. The company's stock currently has a market price of $10. Investor A decides to buy 1,000 of these stocks, thereby investing $10,000. While investor B decides to short 1,000 stocks, thereby selling $10,000 worth of the investment. Now I know what you're thinking. How the hell do you sell a stock that you don't own? Well, oftentimes the process involves selling a borrowed security. For example, in a brokerage account, you can often sell a position by borrowing a stock from your broker and then shorting that way leaving you with the proceeds from the sale. The money you make from the sale obviously doesn't really belong to you since you sold someone else's stock to get it, but eventually when you buy short, you'll be able to return the stock and keep whatever money is left over, which is how you profit from the trade. So going back to our example, if the stock price falls from $10 to $5, investor A will lose $5,000, while investor B will gain $5,000 since they'll be able to buy the stock back for a lower price and keep the remaining sales proceeds. On the other side of things, if the stock price increases from $10 to $15, investor A will be up $5,000, while investor B will be down $5,000. But this raises an interesting question. Up until this point, investor B... You see, to short a position, an investor needs to post what's known as an initial margin of 50% into their account to act as a buffer should the investment lose value. This means that investor B would have contributed $5,000 of his own funds at the beginning of our example to accommodate for any losses. The amount still belongs to the investor, but it's held as collateral by the broker to ensure that investor B can afford to buy back the share in the future. 
Investor B will also be responsible for what are known as margin calls, a process that occurs when the margin becomes insufficient. For example, in the event that the share price rises to $15, Investor B would receive a margin call to replenish their cash buffer based on what's known as the maintenance margin, since there's no more wiggle room in the account to accommodate for further losses. So a big difference between shorting and going long a position is that you can only short in a margin account. While this has its downsides, it does add leverage to the investor's return. What do I mean by that? Well, let's for example. Let's say that our share price falls from $10 to $5. This would lead investor A to lose $5,000 and investor B to gain $5,000. On an absolute basis, these returns equate one another. But on a percentage basis, taking into account margins, they're actually quite different. You see, investor A has lost roughly 50% of their investment. But since investor B has only contributed $5,000 of his own money to this margin account, he's actually gained 100% of his investment, double the percentage of investor A. Because borrowing is involved with shorting, investor B will see his returns amplified. Though this goes both ways. Percentage losses in the short position will be double what they might have been for investor A. So a decline of 50% for investor A would translate into a 100% decline for investor B. So short positions not only flip the percentage return received by investors, they also amplify them, both on the way up and the way down. But here's where we get into the distinct disadvantages of a short position. Namely, short positions come with unique costs that a standard long investor won't face. For example, if the stock you borrowed pays a dividend, you'll actually need to pay this amount to your broker, meaning that you'll face a cost equal to whatever dividend the stock pays. Short positions also charge investors an interest rate on the value of the stock you borrowed. After all, since you are borrowing and selling someone else's security, you need to compensate them in the same way that you would compensate a bank with interest on a loan. Typically, the rate charged on a short position can range anywhere from 2.5 to 20%, but it can be higher for what are known as hard-to-borrow stocks, highly volatile or small-cap positions. All right, so a lot of you are lost. Let me, let me walk you through this. So if you're shorting a stock, say you borrow a stock from me for 10 bucks, right? That stock, because I have it, because I have it, pays me $1.20 a month as interest, right? As a, as a dividend. It says, here's $1.20, Tori, because you own my stock. And not only that, there's an interest rate um, that I'm going to charge you for borrowing that, right? Wait, let me do it one by one. Sorry, running ahead of myself. I have a stock for 10 bucks. You come to me and you're like, yo, I want to pretend I own your stock. Well, if you're going to pretend you own my stock, I'm still going to be getting my dividend that the stock gives me of $1.20 a month. And you're just like, yeah, sure, no problem, because I'm totally going to be money because the stock's going to drop. And so while I'm sitting there and you're borrowing my stock of $10, you're still paying me $1.20. And remember, this is a loan. So I'm charging you. Uh, a percentage of borrowing that $10 stock from me, right? So I'll say, hey, for every month that you have my stock and you're pretending that it's yours when it's really mine, you're not only going to pay me my dividend of $1.20 that the stock gives me anyway, you're going to pay me a dollar a month, 10% uh, interest rate basically, uh, a month uh, so that you can pretend to have it. And you're like, sure, that's fine because I'm going to make all that money back later. That's basically how it works. So think about it. A lot of uh, individual investors, they won't go short because that's a big cost. I mean, 
to go short, you've got to have some really good insider trading, right? You've got to have some insider trading knowing they're going to tank quickly. Now, what you're seeing here is what someone may call outsider. I'm totally loving that Don Jr. is tweeting and having fun. And the thing is, he's on the same page with AOC. who's like, oh, I'm loving Wall Street getting upset. And it's like, dude, have you seen your retirement portfolio for Congress? I'm just saying. But anyway, so basically only big banks do these things because they have a line of credit. They never really pay the dollar twenty a month. And then the dollar interest rate, it just gets billed in the end when they buy the stock at a lower price. You see? Banks make millions of dollars for companies to go bust. You know, GameStop is the lefties. You'll see all the really salty hedge fund guys and superstars that have big, fat-ass portfolios. They're like, GameStop is like Blockbuster. It should just die and go away. It's like, yeah. But see, you're not in control of the market. We are. You may be in control because you have a lot of money because we give you power and we glorify you and buy your CDs, your movies, or vote for you. But at the end of the day, it's our wallet that powers everything. And if we want GameStop to be the bomb of a company, guess what? We're going to hold the line and we're going to buy their stock and we're going to keep it that high because that's what we want. I know you want to get everything online and make Bezos rich. We don't care. We want to be able to go to the GameStop where, you know, <laughs> you see the guy behind the counter and he looks like he has a sticky keyboard at home, has food from like three days ago in his unkept beard and wearing a t-shirt that's like three sizes too small and breathes with his mouth. You want to go see that. Okay. You want to go in there. You want to see the nerdy little things of the little bobbleheads that they sell. You want the really crass t-shirts. You want to smell the video games. You don't want to spend $75 on a new Xbox controller because you dropped it from your couch. You want to go get a secondhand one for 40 bucks that you could pay an extra dollar and get that to replace forever if it breaks. That's what you want. So guess what? That's what you get. Because basically, with GameStop being suffocated, Amazon, Walmart, and Target online make a shit ton of money. So I want you to see how revolutions happen. This is the other aspect. Remember, after the flu and all this turmoil and the race wars and the dust bowls and the murder locusts back in the 20s, we had the roaring 20s and came the Great Depression. Damn, they're not going to get it now. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So let's like get rid of this guy now that you understand what shorting is. Okay. And let's go into seeing what um, CNBC Power Lunch had to say about these insolent, insolent people. How could you buy GameStop stock? What can stop GameStop? Actually, nothing can because the people are pissed. And the more you piss us off, the more we're going to be dropping into mom and pop shops just to piss you off more and make you poor because they're all getting really poor over this. That is moving detached to fundamentals right now. What continues to push it? I mean, is this still the epic short squeeze of short squeezes as has been suggested over the last couple of days? Yeah, it seems to be the short squeeze of all uh, short squeezes. I, I, I can't really see what's driving it at this point. I understand we have a new gaming cycle. 
the consoles are coming out and this year should be a very good year for them. They're going to back, get back to profitability. Sales are going to be very strong. But at the same time, I mean, you, it just this, this price level, I just don't know how you can justify it uh, where we are today. Yeah. And, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, that's why, you know, this even, is from a couple of days ago when it was at 78 bullish outlook on the fundamentals. You're still only at a $30, $33, $34, somewhere in that area is what we're thinking. Yeah. Um, but you are still a street high in terms of that price target. So how do you get there? Yeah. Well, look, we, we were thinking we're using 2022 when things are a little bit more normalized. We're thinking the company has been doing a lot of things right. They've been controlling expenses. They're operating more efficiently. They're driving profitability. So we're assuming, let's say they get back to a 3% operating profit margin in 22. And what does EBITDA look like? And put an eight times EBITDA multiple on 255 or so million of EBITDA, <laughs> and that gets you to $33. So that's really what we're doing. And, and I know I'm more bullish than a lot of the rest of the street right now, but I do believe that they can get there, uh, that they can operate better. Once upon a time, they did have a 7% operating margin. So even with this game cycle coming, we should see better profitability. And that supports the stock to go a little bit higher, but not $70 or even $160 like it was at one point today. But Joe, I, I just wonder when the crowd seizes control of an asset like this, as an investor who's trying to be smart, what are you supposed to do? And this could apply to Tesla. One could argue, I, mean, I remember Elon Musk. Are they trying to like threaten Elon? Elon, get on board with us and say this is wrong. Quick. Because your stock's going to drop. Are you seeing this? What can we $6,000 just made $600,000. I'm out. You know, but it's still there. And now banks are saying you're not allowed to buy it anymore. And it's like, what? Wait, why? <laughs> I mean, what? Why aren't you allowing us to buy it? You're going to see this. Is, this is, listen to their words. Listen to their words. Musk saying that that stock was expensive a long time ago when it was in a whole different stratosphere than it is now. It could apply to Bitcoin. How do you think about that? So we're trying to stay disciplined. And with the investors that I've spoken to on GameStop or just in general, you know, I think if you take a disciplined approach, if the stock hits your price target, you just move on. Uh, or at least pare back some of your position. Maybe you keep a little bit just in case the stock keeps running higher, but you have to have benchmarks and price points where you want to buy it or sell it. You know, today, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond was another one that's been gotten moving a lot higher earlier today because of a short squeeze. You know, talking to investors, some people said, you know what, it's doubled in two weeks. I'm ready to pull off of that and I'll buy it back when it gets back down to 30 or so, which happened all in one day. So I think that's what you have to think about. You have look at what the analysts are saying. Don't buy GameStop. Hold it. Sell it. <laughs> They're so stuck. They're just like, sell, sell, sell. Whatever we have, sell, sell, sell. But the thing is, these big banks have shorts. <laughs> so it's like, nope. So they're like, no buying. You can't. And it's not just Bed Bath & Beyond. It's, game. it's AMC movie theaters, too. <laughs> so it's like the people are running the markets and they're pissed. They're just like, don't buy. You're not allowed to buy. No buying. How dare you, peasant? buy a hundred shares at five dollars and take it up to 150 it's like wow you mean coordinated um investing wait let's take a look at what illegal trading is first what is considered insider trading okay insider trading means you know something everybody else doesn't right that's what insider trading is 
this is an insider trading though, right? Because you're not doing anything sneaky. You're just coordinating with a bunch of other people saying, yo, let's go all by like right now. One, two, three, boom. And then it's like, whoa, all these fat cats lost the shit to me. And all you do is like, I've got a thousand dollars to spare. I'm going to blow this stock up with my thousand dollars. I'm going to invest it there and I'm going to hold it. But everybody else has to hold it too. Okay. Okay. In 2004, she was sent to prison for five months for related charges. So what did Martha Stewart do wrong? What exactly is insider trading? Well, in 2001, Stewart allegedly obtained non-public knowledge that a particular stock investment was about to lose money and she dumped the stock early. This kind of knowledge is also known as insider information. It is only available to high-level executives or major shareholders in a company known as corporate insiders. While corporate insiders are allowed to trade any stocks, they must register potentially conflicting trades with the Securities and Exchange Commission. It's illegal to use insider information to profit from potential stock changes. This disadvantages public stockholders and betrays investor trust, which is vital to the health of the stock market. However, just because insider trading is illegal doesn't mean people don't still do it. There are usually huge amounts of money on the line, and the risk of getting caught is often very low. A study cited by the New York Times in 2014 claims that a quarter of all public company deals involve some kind of insider knowledge. The SEC has limited resources, so they only pursue the largest and the most legally viable cases. They can also be slow to respond to reports of illegal activity, taking more than two years on average to announce litigation. Additionally, many criminal charges aren't legally viable because the divide between intentional insider trading and pure coincidence is often murky. Many traders simply claim they got lucky to have sold off their stock before it devalued. This gray area is one of the reasons that Martha Stewart was never actually convicted of insider trading itself. She went to prison because she was caught lying to federal investigators about her role in the scandal. The SEC does its best to monitor suspicious trades. They act on tips or complaints, and they have surveillance tools that track when large purchases or sales of stock happen. If they do make a conviction, any insider tip givers or tip receivers can get 25 years in prison. Individuals may also be fined up to $5 million, and companies may be fined up to $25 million. The largest aggregate fine for insider trading in history happened in 2014, where multiple guilty parties working with a hedge fund group faced penalties totaling $1.8 billion. Insider trading is one of the most common white-collar crimes, perhaps because it often seems to be victimless. But a prominent U.S. attorney involved in many Wall Street executive prosecutions says nothing could be further from the truth. The market is a victim. And the loss of trust in the public stock market will hurt the entire country's economy. Ever wondered what it would take to crash the stock market? We've got a video on some of the worst market crashes in history. And this is what they want. And the people are totally creating it volatile. Now I'm going to take you to some insider trading that, um, you know, should have been arrested, but instead this person, and I wrote an article about it. It's on torysays.com about Pelosi. I wrote it a couple years ago, um, how she made a, oh, an insane amount of money right now. Pelosi holds the most stock as an individual in credit card visa in the credit card visa. She owns the most amount of money. Well, politicians in Washington write a lot of laws against insider trading, but guess what? They don't actually have to follow them. Do you think it's all right for uh, a speaker uh, to accept uh, a very favorable uh, stock deal? 
Well, we did. You participated in the IPO. Well, I have many And at the time, you were Speaker of the House. You don't think it was a conflict of interest? What the appearance no, of a conflict of interest? It only has appearance if you decide that you're going to have a, a, a elaborate on a false premise. But it, it, it's not true, and that's that. I don't understand what part's yeah. not true. Yes, sir. Um, that I, that I would act upon an investment. Well, today, Nancy Pelosi fired back, attacking 60 Minutes. But the question remains, should politicians have to abide by the same rules as Wall Streeters? You know this is a bipartisan problem. Uh, but this is a bogus scandal. I mean, if, listen, listen, first of all, let's look at the evidence here, Tracy. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Pelosi presided over the toughest crackdown consumer-friendly legislation against credit cards. This was a Visa stock, of an IP. PO and Visa. It was the worst money in the world that Visa ever spent. The reality is, this is a bunch of fake hand-wringing. If you want to get the money out of politics, if you want to solve the real problem here, I've got some solutions. They involve public financing and cracking down on lobbyists, but shedding these crocodile tears about Nancy Pelosi. You know what? It's just a bunch of hypocritical bellyache. I don't think anyone's crying for Nancy Pelosi, including Nancy, because after all that Botox, what she, she can't cry. What did she do wrong? What did she do wrong? Didi, come she on. It's the same thing that any investor. These are she and her husband are rich people. They invested in an IPO that me and you don't know about. But you know what? That's what rich people but do with their money. There is no transparency. There is no requirement that they file that I get to see. You and I get to see their stock trades every year, as there are for the rest of us. Yeah, this is outrageous. It really is. I think this is definitely going to be something that's not going to go away. And for members of Congress to have this insider trading going on when other people go to prison for it is absolutely wrong. And hey, you know what? Here's the thing. This is an insider it, trading. She doesn't have any insider. fiduciary obligation here. But that's wrong, though. Members of Congress should have more this responsibility than anyone. Well, but she's benefiting from Inside. knowing inside Alice, information about these It's not her. House Speaker Boehner also involved owned health care stocks during the whole health care. Um, we need to change the laws. It's not fair for them to have that advantage when other people don't. And here's the other thing about Nancy Pelosi. You know, let's talk about crocodile tears here. Oh, she's applauding the uh, Wall Street, the Occupy Wall Street people saying, good for you. Good to go against those rich Republicans and the people have to have an advantage over you. My gosh. Talk about hypocritical. You don't mean this. Yes, I do you don't mean, mean it. She has this advantage over everyone else, and then she is applauding these Occupy okay. Wall Street people, okay. saying, "Oh, look at those okay. terrible so, Wall Street so, people." So then, let's do something about it. Let's. I agree. Complaint. We need to pass let's a law the, where they're not able to do that. Let's get the money out of politics. Let's make sure oh, that well, campaign Alice, contributors to, and rich companies don't the run Washington. Here, she says oh, this on her jet across the country. Well, so get the money out of it. So then she should walk. Is that what you're saying? It is absolutely a huge problem. Problem in our country, that rich and powerful people have such influence in Washington. It's not much just more rich influence and powerful. Than we, do. we are talking about a big bunch corporations, of, big professions. We are talking about congressional leaders that don't have to abide by any okay. rules. It's Even wrong. those rich corporations have policies, internal policies, where they have to submit the investments they make, and they are therefore judged on whether or not it's fair. Okay, so let's don't let these big contributors and big lobbyists run Washington. And how let's are you going to get Congress to I'm police gonna, themselves? I'm going to I'm going to get public financing. I'm going to get lobbying reforms. I'm going to do stuff that takes companies like Visa and all these other people with pretending to be so upset about you, look, get their money out. What if somebody like Boehner or Pelosi say, you know what? That's just not right. The perception is just not right. Even if I legally can do it, I, you know what? It may not look that good this to my constituency. This is somebody who has demonized Wall Street. This is the woman who presided over the toughest consumer. Oh, it doesn't make any difference. We are leaving it with that.
with Dominic saying she demonized Wall Street. Too bad. They That's where I'm leaving it. Interesting, isn't it? That was very interesting. I'm sure that none of you paid attention to that when it happened. It was crazy. I was like, she knew that the IPO stock, she knew what was going to happen with Visa. She knew because she was creating the legislation for it. And then she got this big fat ass IPO and she has millions, if not, it's, I think it's like just under half a billion dollars right now. She has so much into Visa right now. It's almost as equal as institutions. Institutions means banks. She has more stock in Visa than one bank may. Okay. That's how she did it. And that's how all of them, oh, you, they don't look at all the gifted stock. Here's a, here's an article that I was, oh no, let me read it first. There we go. Major corporations say, okay, let me uh, unfreeze, please. Thank you. Uh, major corporations, here we go. You, you, you're just going to see how it had to be this way so you can see your power. Major corporations say they will stop donating to members of Congress who try to overturn the election. On January 6th, the violent mob, blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. The Blue Cross Blue Shield Association is a federation of companies that provide health insurance to 107 million people in 50 states. The Blue Cross Blue Shield Association PAC, known as Blue PAC, typically favors Republican candidates. In the last recycle, PAC has donated $959,060 to $959,060 to Republican candidates and $359,000 thousand dollars to democrat candidates blah 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 in a statement blue cross blue shield association president ceo kim keck said he was suspending all support to the 147 republicans who voted to subvert the results of november's election by challenging the electoral college result can you see that the corporations selected your damn president here's more evidence mary international right said the same thing they're not going to be funding Commerce Bank shares. Another bank saying, I'm not giving you any money. Can you see who selected your president? Dow, no money. MasterCard, no money. AT&T, no money. Morgan Stanley, Viacom, Pfizer, Airbnb, Amazon, Verizon, Intel, General Electric, Disney, Oracle, KPMG, Walmart, Holland & Hart, Southern Company, Universal Music Group, Exelon, Price Waterhouse Cooper, Comcast, NBC, Hallmark, all of these freaking companies, Nike, Walgreens, Eli Lilly, Zillow, Gentech, American Express, International Council of Shopping Centers, what the f U.S. Chamber got Cisco and Google, Allstate, PG, Kraft Heinz, Public Enterprise Group, eBay, Generals, uh, Quarry to Retail Group, AES, Newmont Corp, of all these Fortune 500s, Boston Scientific, Capital One, Boeing, Altria Group, McDonald's, United Health. Look at all these companies. Wells Fargo, Facebook, BlackRock, Visa, Bank of America, Berkshire, Bear. Do you see who selected your president? Selected, president, select, president, select. This is collusion, if anything. This is blackmail, if anything. All of these companies are telling you that if you say that he is not president, we are not paying money. 
all of them. Charles Schwab, of course. I mean, Comey's dudes are running the place. AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, J.P. Morgan. Come on, look. That is all you need to know. I told you that the corporations were in charge. I told you that you're not in charge. These companies that you have boosted are the ones in charge. So, I mean, it's kind of awesome and poetic that maybe someone earwigs. Hey, let's just boost up these companies and make them a little bit broke. You see, this is how you fight back. There's a lot of fights that we're fighting on all ends. These are the companies that chose your president, not you. These companies chose your president, not you. I repeat, companies chose your president, not you. Again, companies chose your president. It's president select, select. Who's in charge? The companies. Because why? He'll do what they say. They don't give donations because they're nice. They're just not, here's $100,000, Pelosi. No, no favor for that, right? Here's some Google stock for you, Senator Hoven. No favors for that, right? Here's some Delta miles for you and some stock. And here's $500,000. You see who runs the world? <laughs> the deep state are the corporations. Remember, I told you I work for them. What was my consumer industry? Your data. I had control of everybody's data, including those idiots that are in elected office. That's a really fat-ass market. Data, 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 data. I know everything there is to know about you. I can see every time you scroll onto porn.hub. I can read all your emails, all your texts, listen to all your phone calls, all your voicemails. Look at everything. I own you. That's the biggest market. Everything else, like consumer goods, are driven on the information that they would get from that data center, right? Your data that I controlled, per se, I work for them. I didn't control all of it. But I use that data against people to make them do what we want. So I use that data to know what kind of coffee will you buy? Well, then I'm going to make that. Wait a minute. I want to sell this coffee, which is pretty crappy. How do I package it? Well, let's crunch the data and see what makes them tick. Localization. I've said that before. This is exactly where you're at. Corporations run every single facet of your life, and you had no idea. Corporations, global corporations, big corporations. And you know what's funny? China, there are no private corporations. Every single company there is Chinese government owned. See? Difference there. Those are your titans. Those are your military industrial complexes. Those are the people that select the president that you are allowed to have. How dare you think that you can select anybody? This is how you move it along. This is how you change your future. Them, who's in charge? Who is in charge? And that's you. Your wallet, your head. You're the most expensive commodity to them. The minute you realize that, that's the minute they go bust. That's what you need to understand. Claim yourself. Be autonomous. Now some statements from Robinhood and Interactive Brokers about restricting trading on some names. Uh, the statement out of Robinhood says, our mission at Robinhood is to democratize finance for all. Uh, we're proud to have created a platform that has helped everyday people from all backgrounds shape their financial futures and invest for the long term. We continuously monitor the markets and make changes where necessary. 
In light of recent volatility, we are restricting transactions for certain securities to position closing only. As for interactive brokers, uh, they say we've put AMC, BB, Express, GME, and costs option trading into liquidation only due to the extraordinary volatility in the markets. In addition, long stock positions will require 100% margin and short requires 300% margin until further notice, David. Uh, that's likely to uh, raise some hackles uh, and some anger in certain sectors. Yep, I've seen it on Twitter already, as you point out, Carl. Uh, people upset at the idea that they can no longer buy, and it will have an impact. Uh, it would be curious to see just how much, of course, uh, but it will conceivably have an impact on shares of GameStop and many of the others. Although, I mean, again, American Airlines this morning, that was unexpected. Better than expected numbers for a company that had been losing, what, $30 million a day. Uh, but you can see there, the stock had been up as much as 50%. It's come in. GameStop is coming in. AMC, we talked about the conversion there by Silver Lake of 600 million of convertible notes into stock, given the conversion price was, well, it was at least uh, above, uh, excuse me, well below where the stock was, although no longer. Uh, but Carl, this story is far from over. And again, I would come back to the broader story, which is you've had an enormous reduction in risk by many on Wall Street. So what they're saying is you're not allowed to buy. We want it democratic, but we want to keep the market safe. So wait a minute. Do you regulate the market or does the consumer regulate the market? That's a question you should ask yourself. See, you are not in a free society. And I've been saying this for a very long time. You are not free. Your mind has been hijacked, right? Every facet of your life has been hijacked. They tell you how to walk, how to talk. You must be obedient. <laughs> and you see it now. Now that you exercise your power of using your money, they have put you in your place. You must be obedient. Free market. Huh? Free as long as they're making money. Free as long as you're losing money. Free as long as you have debt. You know, when I drive on one of these highways, I think it's an I-90, I see a digital sign, or is it the, oh, I want to say maybe it could be, 271 here in Ohio, I see a sign that says the the average debt per American citizen was like $83,000. <laughs> they keep a scorecard and laugh at you, right? L look how much money you're making me because you're broke. And I made you broke. Okay, so check out this guy. Hold on. I want to show you this because this is this is pretty insane, okay? What this guy did is pretty insane. Let me show you. So this guy here turned $50,000 into $67 million in GameStop stock. If you don't know what is this about, I will explain you very quickly, okay? What is going to GameStop? Meme stocks explain. I will explain you very quickly. It's epic. I think there, there, there are going to be some movie about this or definitely they will write about this in the books in the future. So very quickly, guys on Wall Street bets decided that they will short squeeze GameStop because GameStop was heavily shorted by institutions, hedge funds, and so on. So they decided to heavily buy this stock and try to short squeeze it. Short squeeze is basically uh, if you have short position, it means you borrowed share, you sold it, and you hope price is going down so then you can buy 
share for less price and make profit and give back that uh, share to the lender, right? But if you are shorting the stock and price goes up, you are forced at some time to close your position because you would lose a bunch of money. But closing short position means that you have to buy the stock. They were forced. This is what they were doing, the Wall Street guys, Wall Street, Wall Street bad guys. Option sellers need to hedge their position and they are buying underlying stock as well. So they are increasing the price as well. And if something like this happens, you are going to see something like, wait, something like this. <laughs> what is the price change here? I don't know from, let's say from December, the price change is 1,500% only from December. Okay. And why is this epic? This is like battle retail investors versus institutional investors, like poor guys versus rich guys and poor guys are winning right now. It's not common that poor guys are winning in situations like this. Hedge funds, what were shorting the stock, are already in losses like billions of dollars. It's totally crazy. I don't know how it's gonna end. What do you think how it's gonna end? I don't know guys, but this guy from community is posting his returns. And he posted yes, yesterday or two days ago, it was $27 million. The day after he posted this, that he's in profit, wait for it, $47 million. Okay, he transferred some money to cash, that's clever from him, but he's still holding $47 million. He bought some... He sold some stock and sold out and made $13 million, but he still has $47 million in the stock. That's insane. He bought. <laughs> guys, isn't this incredible? This is how you screw the big guys by doing this. I mean, one would think this was planned. I'm just saying one would think that it was planned so that the people can see who's really in charge. Now, what they're going to tell you is something fearful. I'm going to warn you for this. Here is Ron Paul talking about the largest financial bubble in history. And um, he is talking about this bubble. Um, wait a minute. Where is he? There he is. I want you guys to see this. Ron Paul, one of the great financial minds in the United States. He's been speaking up quite... Hold on. Before I, I, I play it, I want you guys to understand, as you saw, they already said they want regulations. They want you guys to stop buying. Banks are now telling you you're not allowed to buy. And what they're worried about is now they're going to be monitoring all social media to see if anybody else is going to do this. Could you imagine if a lot of patriots got together and said, let's raise this penny stock or, well, not penny stock, pick a company, any company, like a restaurant chain that has fallen because of COVID and they know that they're going to asphyxiate it. So I don't know, maybe like Macy's or something like that that has dropped a lot. And then what they do is they all get together and they're like, yo, how much money you got? Left? I got 500 bucks. I got 100. I got 50. I got 20. All right, let's all buy and just make them poor. This is exactly what happened. Quite a bit lately. I'm not sure if many of you have been paying attention to what he's saying, but it is interesting and I want to catch you up to speed. He thinks we're currently in the biggest financial bubble in the history of monetary policy. Here's the exact words. I happen to believe it's the biggest financial bubble in the history of monetary policy for the whole world. And the correction is going to be very, very violent and it's yeah. already pretty bad. So the question becomes why? 
Why does he think this? Okay, first thing he mentions is inflation. Now, generally, the Fed aims for a 2% inflation rate each year. Recently, the Fed have come along and changed this policy. They now want to average a 2% inflation rate. And so that means that the Fed is willing to allow inflation to run hotter than normal in order to support the labor market and the broader economy. Now, this all sounds well and good, but there are a lot of problems that come with inflation. Ron Paul, he doesn't like it one bit because, okay, let's look at the definition of inflation. Inflation is a general increase in prices and fall in the purchasing value of money. Basically meaning if you just hold on to cash, it becomes worth less over time. As Ron Paul says, the policy of our government is to steal 2% of the value of the dollar on purpose. And now they've become even more desperate towards inflation. So do you think that any sound investor is going to want to have their money in the bank? No. Look at the type of interest that you get on your money. It's terrible. Uh, the average USA bank savings rate is 0.09%. So basically, this means the money in your bank is losing its worth for every second that you have it in there. The mix between inflation and low interest rates kills savers. So they think, no, I'm not going to have my money in the bank. Let's look at the stock market. And they start buying stocks. And what this does is it causes prices of stocks to go up. Anyone who's done Economics 101 will know this. As we can see, the stock market has recovered to almost full-time highs, up 45% over the past seven months. The economy, however, has been going terrible, but stocks have not seemed to notice. And of course, it's not just the stock market. House prices are around all-time highs as well because of this same notion. Low interest rates, which means you can borrow more, and there's no desire to have your savings in the bank. The next thing that Paul refers to as being a driver of asset prices is this new notion of unlimited quantitative easing. So it was in March 2020 when the Fed announced that they will essentially allow unlimited quantitative easing to help the economy. Uh, except, of course, they said it in a much more politically correct way. They announced that they will continue their asset purchasing program in the amounts needed to support smooth market functioning and effective transmission of monetary policy to broader financial conditions and the economy. Basically, there's no limit to the amounts that they can now print. And this is something that we've never seen before. Unlimited QE. So this has resulted in the Fed's balance sheet blowing up. It's now soared past $7 trillion. It's almost doubled in size. And we don't know how much worse this will get in the future. They're now talking a further $1 to $2 trillion in printing. Now, what does this unlimited buying of financial assets from the Fed do? Well, it lowers interest rates, of course, and this allows the government to borrow even more money because they pay less interest on their debt because interest rates are low. Therefore, they can borrow more. And this is exactly what they've done. They've borrowed a lot in order to fund these stimulus checks that they've received. As Ron Paul said, they created $3 trillion to bail out the first part of the downturn. And now they're talking about another $1 to $2 trillion for the next episode. And it just means people need to get prepared in many different ways. Because, okay, if we look at the stimulus checks, where is it going? So Forbes, they wrote a great article in which they did the research, and they found that 59.35% of stimulus bills 
was used to pay expenses, 13.3% was used to pay off debts, and 11.98% was used to add to savings slash investments. But what you need to remember about all of this, that's all artificial money. Those companies that are receiving that stimulus money spent on expenses in a normal economy would not have got it. Those companies like banks who were receiving debt payments from the stimulus bills, they would not have got it. They would have been considered faulty loans and the bank would have lost out a lot. Uh, and those who invested in the stock market would not normally have been able to do so. But of course, the stimulus checks allows them to do so. You know, it's all artificial. It all comes from debt being used by the government, which has been helped by the Fed. And of course, this all adds to the bubble that Ron Paul's been talking about. So the question now becomes, what happens when this bubble bursts? What will this mean for Americans? And what can we do about it? I'll first let Ron Paul answer. So what happens when this bubble, the biggest you've ever seen, what happens when this, when this pops, Dr. Paul? People are going to get a lot poorer. We uh, have been able to convince the people, those who promote this type of a system, that wealth comes out of a printing press. And uh, the distortions have been so great. And it allows everybody to live beyond their means, uh, you know, uh, as it circulates. Um, and the individuals, you know, can get low interest rates and they get their houses and the stock market's happy. But it's all, it's all tied in with malinvestment. Nobody talks much about malinvestment. So it's, it's a system that can't last. But a people who have and a society that has lived way beyond their means, I'm convinced, has to live beneath its means. I compare it to an individual. If uh, you or I lived uh, because uh, somebody was going to give us a million dollars every month and we didn't have to work, we'd feel pretty good. Hey, this is great. Until maybe somebody calls the tune and says, oh, we have to stop loaning you any more money because you have yeah. to pay your bills. And that's what's happening now. The bills have to be paid. The economy is going to turn down. And a lot of people have already gotten a lot poorer, but they're going to get, it's going to get a lot worse unless we wake up and return to some sound economic and monetary policies. Because you see, we've been living beyond our means for almost 50 years now. On August the 15th, 1971, President Nixon made an announcement that shook the USA. He announced that the United States will no longer convert dollars to gold at a fixed value, thus completely abandoning the gold standard. This meant we could now print as much money as we possibly desired because our money's not tied to anything. We can go into as much debt and buy and produce more than ever before because of this. And this is what's been happening over the past 50 years, but especially recently. So we're going to end today's show there because those of you that are on Twitch, I found a leftist podcast on Twitch that we're going to read right now. He's talking about how capitalism is evil. So I don't want him to go. <laughs> and I want you guys to see the other side and what they're saying. Now, I wanted to leave uh, this today's show with um, the notion that um, uh, money is what exposes everything. And you will see it coming fast and hard. The people just uh, realized um, you know, who is in charge and that's them and they are showcasing and flexing their power and this is all for a purpose and the purpose is that um, you are able to um, 
see how they will respond to it. If you see that they respond by silencing you, if you see that they respond by limiting your ability to buy, limiting your ability to do anything, that tells you exactly who they are. So for those of you listening on other platforms, if you're not on Twitch, I want to bid you a wonderful evening. Uh, and I will see you tomorrow, same time, same place. God bless. I'm <laughs> <laughs>